Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. I'll be reading from the New International Version, and the words will be on screen, but I invite you to open your Bible or your phone, wherever you are, to follow along with the scripture today. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and saw tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man, prophesy and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. uh, And then I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know this is a dark and heavy passage full of bones and, and death in it, so let's, let's try coming at it from a slightly lighter angle to begin with. Maybe you had some bones left over after your Thanksgiving meal a few weeks ago. Uh, we did. Uh, we had a half a turkey and we had a bunch of bones left over. What did you do with them? We made stock or, or turkey broth. We uh, put them in a big pot and threw in some onions and carrots and we boiled them carefully and slowly for more than a day. And then we strained out the bones and the bits and the leftover stuff and threw them away because there was no life. There was no flavor left in those bones. Now, some of you here might have had some uh, bigger bones to deal with these days. If you got lucky and you shot a deer in the woods, maybe you field-dressed it out there and you uh, brought, the, uh, brought the carcass into the barn and you, you skinned it and you, you removed the good meat, the steaks, the backstrap, all the best stuff, and you packaged it and froze it. 
And after that, maybe you took the carcass out to the field or into the woods and and you left it there for the wild animals. Now, I know I I looked this up and I know you're not really supposed to do this these days because of chronic wasting disease. So we'll just pretend that this is something you did a while ago in the past. And year after year, you've left a carcass out there in the forest, in the field, and the bones get picked over by the coyotes and the vultures and the maggots until they are clean. And then the sun comes and it bleaches the bones until they're dry. And the bones get spread around and they they start covering the forest floor. And then year after year of of hunting, decade after decade, imagine that whole forest floor is a, a field of bones, of deer bones, dry and and dead and lifeless. And then God comes to you and asks, can these bones live? And the answer is obviously, no, no way. Nothing is bringing those deer back to life. Now imagine that scene with a human bones. And you start getting a little bit of what that vision of Ezekiel was like. How each skull out there comes from a once living human being who is now dead. How each femur bone that once walked on the earth is now dead. How each hand once held a child. And this, uh, this prophecy of Ezekiel is one of the darkest scenes in the Bible. And it's also, I think, one of the most hopeful prophecies during the worst time for the people of Israel. And let's see why, starting a bit with Ezekiel's story. See, Ezekiel is a prophet who God calls in exile to be a prophet to his people in exile. Now, Ezekiel comes from Jerusalem. He's the son of a, a, a priestly family. He's being raised up to be a priest someday. But God had other plans. See, uh, around the the year 597 B.C., the Babylonians swept in from the north and they uh, destroyed, uh, they they took captive all the brightest and best people of Jerusalem. They took away all the people who they thought could mount a revolt or resistance against them. They took the priests and the king and all of the leaders and they left behind the, the nobodies, or so they thought. And Ezekiel was one of those people who was taken off into exile in that first wave. And God calls him to be a prophet, not in Jerusalem, but there on the banks of the Kebar River, uh, in a refugee camp, in a place far from home, near Babylon. And he tells Ezekiel to do these crazy prophecies, these dramatic actions that show what God is doing and going to do. He has him shave his head and scatter the hair all around the camp. He has him lie on one side for 390 days and on the other side for 40 days for reasons I don't really understand. He has him build a model of Jerusalem, uh, not out of Lego, but out of clay at the riverbank, and then start building siege ramps and play, pretend to destroy the whole city. He has him pack up his belongings every single night like he's preparing to go into exile. And Ezekiel does this for 11 years. And throughout this time, God gives him these words of prophecy to his people. And not just to his people right there, but to his people who are still back home in Jerusalem and Judea. The people who haven't been exiled yet. And they're words of of warning because of their sin. Israel is going to be uprooted from the land because of what they've done. And the nations around them will also suffer because of this. And God wants them to turn away from their sin and be right with him And of course they don't. And 11 years later, the Babylonians come back again to Jerusalem. And this time, they leave no survivors. They they destroy the walls, they tear down the temple, they burn the whole place, and they exile everyone who is left over to Babylon. And when the word of the temple's destruction reaches Ezekiel, 
his prophecies suddenly shift from words of judgment and warning to words of hope. The whole second half of the book is this word of hope that God gives him for these hopeless refugees. They're saying things like, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We've been cut off from God. God's forgotten and ignored us. We are no longer his people. The worst thing they could ever imagine has already happened. The promised land is gone. God's people are in exile and God's temple is destroyed. That's when Ezekiel hears this word of hope. See, God grabs hold of him and takes him to this valley of dry bones. And Ezekiel never uh, calls it a vision in the Bible here explicitly, but we, we kind of guess that it is a vision just because it is so amazing and strange. And God tells him, uh, this is not just God's voice proclaiming the word of the Lord through him. God's presence isn't just nearby him like we saw with Moses or Jacob. No, God's very hand is on Ezekiel. It touches him, it grabs him, and moves him by the power of the Spirit to the middle of this valley. And when Ezekiel recovers from the shock of of seeing uh, what, what he sees is this valley full of bones, And that's a chilling sight for any of us, but for Ezekiel especially so, because he is a priest, and he cannot, simply cannot, have any contact with dead bodies or dead bones or dead people. He'll be impure for days or weeks. Uh, Priests aren't even allowed to go to funerals except for their immediate family. But God's hand puts him in the middle of this valley of dead bones. And God leads him around, back and forth through the bones. And Ezekiel gets a closer look at the skeletons. He's a smart priest. He knows his animal anatomy from doing sacrifices. These are human bones. He sees the skulls. He sees that they've been dead for a long time, that they're bleached by the sun and dried by the desert winds. These bones have been here for a long time, and they will be here forever unless someone buries them. And then God asks Ezekiel this resonant question. And the question is not, will you bury these bones? Uh, That would be the the right thing to do in this circumstance for a Jewish person. No, God's question is more provocative than that. (laughs) Son of man, which is the name that God often uses for Ezekiel. Son of man, can these bones live? And, And what should Ezekiel answer? Should he answer yes or no? Uh, Well, The answer, humanly speaking, is obvious. No, these bones are dry and dead as a doornail, and nothing will come of them. Now, if he answers yes, God might ask, then how are you going to do that? And Ezekiel answers wisely, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. See, Ezekiel knows who God is. He knows that God is Lord and King over all, that God is the one who holds life and death and kingdoms and peoples in his hand, and that God alone knows if these dry bones can live. Sometimes we might feel like we're in a valley of dry bones. Years ago, I had the chance to visit the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp in Poland a place that sometimes feels like a valley of dry bones. Now, at the museum, at the the grounds there, there is no field of bones. Instead, to convey the the magnitude of the dead, there are cabinets and rooms and displays of things taken from Jews before they were killed. I remember one behind one plate of glass, there was a pile of combs, 
tens of thousands of combs of every imaginable shape and kind. There was another cabinet full of shoes, leather and rubber and decaying cloth shoes. There was a whole room full of pots and pans that people brought along, hoping to cook a meal at their destination. There's another whole wall lined with prosthetics, legs and arms and uh, limbs lined up from metal and plastic. There's a cabinet full of rings taken from fingers. And there's another cabinet full of gold teeth. But there is no cabinet of dry bones. The bones of the dead are, are buried out in the grass, in the fields, and memorialized with monuments. But sometimes we might feel ourselves like we are dry bones. It may seem sometimes like the, like the church in North America is drying up, and uh, some might blame it on COVID restrictions or, or uh, reticence of people hesitant to come back. They might say, no one comes to church anymore. Where is everybody? Why don't they come back? Other people might blame it on something else like sin or, or injustice. Uh, why won't the church be honest about sexual abuse? Why won't the church say something about racism? Some people blame it on numbers. Uh, we certainly aren't getting any younger. We have more funerals than baptisms. Uh, we have more members lost than gained. And if, if an individual congregation grows, it seems like it's often at the expense of other churches in the area, not from new believers. And the, the church in North America seems to be going through this season of a valley of dry bones. And uh, if God were to ask us, can these bones live? Can we answer? Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now for some of us, these dry bones might be closer to our hearts. Uh, some of us carry or still carry this burden or despair of hopelessness. Uh, some in our midst struggle with seasonal depression. Uh, someone else might struggle with this persistent ongoing uh, addiction or burden. Some of us just can't see a way out. And God asks, can these bones live? Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And God asks Ezekiel that question. The son of man, can these bones live? And, and Ezekiel has the, the bold audacity and the humility to answer, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And he admits that the answer is beyond him, that God alone can give life to dry bones. And then God gives him this word of prophecy. Because life comes to dry bones first by God's word. And the prophecy is for the dry bones, but it is not Ezekiel's word that is going to make this prophecy happen. It is the word of the Lord. God gives breath to life to dry, and life to dry bones. God attaches tendons. God makes flesh. God covers it with skin. God puts breath in them, and God gives life. And Ezekiel repeats the word of the Lord to the dry bones, and God does exactly what he says. This noise, this great rattling of bones, uh, shaken by the wind, and the bones come together bone to bone to bone. And Ezekiel watches, amazed, as these tendons and the flesh and the skin come onto the bones, but, but there is no life in them yet. Because the breath of God has not yet come upon them. Because God's word and spirit need to work together to bring life. And God's life-giving work doesn't happen all at once. It, it comes in stages, bit by bit, to his people. And God again gives his word to Ezekiel. And he speaks the word again to the dry bones. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. 
And that word breath uh, shows up nine times in this passage. Uh, The breath is the same word used for spirit and for wind. In Hebrew, you can use them interchangeably. So you might as well say, come spirit from the four spirits and, and spirit into these slain that they may live. See, it's God's spirit that gives life to these dead bones. And they come to life and they stand up and they, they are a strength. They are a force to be reckoned with, a great and powerful group of people. And the word here isn't so much army as a, a, a strength or a might of people. Uh, they don't have any weapons as far as we know. It's God's, uh, g- the people of God are brought to life as powerful, powerful host of people because God's spirit is in them. And then God makes it plain to Ezekiel. He, he explains that these dry bones are the people of Israel as a whole. Uh, they, they think they're dead. They think they're done for. But God knows otherwise. See, God is going to dig them out of their graves in the, the land of exile. He's going to bring them to life. God will bring them back to the land of life. And God will give them life when they think that only death is possible. And then they will know who God is, the Lord. And this all is going to come because of God's word, because of God's spirit. God says new life is coming, and God's spirit gives new life. And that's exactly how it happens to us, too. When our bones are are dead and dry, God comes to us by the word and by the spirit. God speaks life in his kingdom, and God's spirit breathes new life in us. Uh, author and preacher Barbara Brown Taylor says something similar in one of her books. She says, What we have lost is a full sense of the power of God to recruit people who have made terrible choices, uh, to invade the most hopeless lives with love and light, and, and to sneak up on people who are thinking about lunch, not God, and smack them upside the head with glory. Another pastor says that this new life always comes by this combination of God's word and spirit. God's word goes out not just on Sunday mornings, not just when we read the Bible, but in in Bible studies and coffee and um, on your phone late at night. And God's word speaks of life. And God's word never comes back empty. God's Spirit is always at work bringing the, taking the Word and applying it to our hearts and lives. And God's Spirit convicts us of sin and leads us back to the faithful path. And prophets and preachers always say, hear the Word of the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit brings us, it home to us. You know, to our dry bones, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus, the living Word, full of the Spirit, says that life comes through Him. Life to these dry bones, life to these dry churches, life to dry hearts. And God's word and spirit are giving life, are breathing life, even now to us. So hear the word of the Lord and listen for God's spirit. And when you're thinking about lunch, when you're out hunting, when you're cleaning or cooking or making stock, uh, when you're in that valley of dry bones, listen And look, for God's word and spirit are there in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, send your word out into the world and and by your spirit bring life among us. 
We pray that as we hear your word, that your spirit comes strongly among us and convict us of the truth of your word and and guide our lives to greater faithfulness. Bring life where we are are feeling like dry, dead bones. Bring breath and, and your spirit to make us live and move and breathe in your kingdom. We pray, God, for your spirit continue to bring revival among us by your spirit giving life and giving breath to us that we may understand and know your word and to live it out. God, we pray for those among us and those who we know who feel like they're in that valley. Be close to them, we pray. Comfort them, protect them, and give them your breath of life. And to us, too, we pray, give us a revival and refreshing. Give us the grace of your spirit that we may know and love your word. And help us to live uh, in, in full knowledge of your spirit's breath moving among us, to notice it's moving, to listen to the word. This we pray through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we respond to God's word, we'll sing a song called Breathe on Me, Breath of God. I invite you to rise in body or in spirit to sing. <laughs>